I'm Jessica Peresta, host of the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, do you like awesome rings? Uh, Do you need a ring to replace one that you lost long ago? Or do you, like me, need a new wedding band because yours is no longer fixable? hmm? Well, I have this cool sponsor, Boone Titanium Rings. They can be found at boonrings.com. They are made from titanium and you can get the rings carved, engraved, inlaid, laser cut. Uh, There's special collections like the Hunter Series and Gamer Rings, the Black Zirconium. Yeah, cool stuff. They have models that have meteorite, wood, or other inlays. It's so cool. Go to boonrings.com to find out all the cool stuff that they make. And at checkout, use my code, capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, the number 12, and you will get 10% off their total, and uh, you'll help out this podcast. Once again, you use the code TLLK12, and you will get 10% off the total, and you will help this podcast. Thanks so much. I love my ring, and I know you will love yours. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Aaron Osborne, a former Cambridge Public Schools educator who is the co-founder of BetterLesson.com. So much to learn today, so much cool stuff to talk about. Thanks for listening. And by the way, before you go, could you go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and review the podcast? That would be so cool. You you know, I can't thank you enough because you go in there and leave us a five-star review and that'd be very nice. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Aaron Osborne, a former Cambridge Public Schools educator who is the co-founder of BetterLesson.com. Aaron, thanks so much for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for inviting me here, Stephen. And great to share space with everyone in the ethers. Hey, Aaron, let's start by talking about BetterLesson.com. I mean, what's its why? Uh, What's its purpose? Yeah, fantastic. So we are a a heartful and innovative professional learning organization. And I'd say at our core, we're really uh, our own learning engine. Um, We have been learning uh, across millions of educators and work with thousands of districts over the past 15 years to really understand how to support teachers in changing their practice in the ways they want to, to see fantastic results for, for students. And I'd say our, our core why is really about ensuring that there's there's an inspiring and effective teacher for every student. Um, and I guess if we do what my kindergarten students taught me to do so well and ask another why, uh, so why do we care about uh, having an inspiring, effective teacher for every student? It's really about about lighting students up and supporting them to bring their unique their unique light, their unique set of gifts to this planet. Very cool. So so I got to ask because uh you know there it, you know if there's that moment that you remember that uh do you remember that original inspiration that said hey we, we got to make this happen <laughs> absolutely although i must say i would have voted myself probably least likely to create an ed tech startup if we could zoom <laughs> back to those days i was doing lots of community and political organizing i started a a nonprofit with um author and activist Jonathan Kozel. I was doing lots of marching in the streets, trying to connect teachers to direct avenues to action in the policy realm. I was doing lots of restorative justice work, um, thinking about alternatives to incarceration. Um, and uh, and so in some ways, I felt very far uh, from beginning uh, an organization that was practically focused on, on providing support to students. And yet, as I look back at it, it actually sort of forms a very coherent uh, path to what we're up to now, and I would say uh, specifically um, that I was thinking a lot about, as you mentioned earlier, teacher retention um, and about ensuring that students who uh, needed it most had access to an incredible set of teachers and that the teachers who were in those schools had a task that was doable, that they had the supports that they needed to make the impact uh, 
that led their hearts to choose this venture uh, to begin with. And I'd say in particular, I was, uh, I was what they called a youth development mentor in the Cambridge Public Schools. So I had the benefit of having my own uh, class of students from about two to six every day. And then the rest of the day leading up to that, I got to go around between the five classrooms of, in this case, kindergarten students and uh, and sort of plugging in to support this uh, group of students throughout the day. And so one of the incredible gifts of that um, and one that was very instructive and in forming better lesson is that I got to watch these masterful teachers uh, in action. And I very quickly, as a you know young teacher myself, saw the delta between the incredible practices of these folks who were leading calm, rich, respectful classrooms with, you know, uh, just beautiful, uh, engaging activities for students that really honored their unique essence, their interests, um, and had it all done in a very peaceful way. Um, and so I, I think quite quickly realized uh, that there'd be a tremendous amount of power if we could sort of capture what these incredible teachers had learned over the course of their uh, careers about how to create learning experiences like this for students that support them in their process of becoming. And if we could share that with other teachers. And so when I teamed up um, with Alex Grodd, uh, my co-founder, he'd been teaching in Atlanta public schools. He'd been teaching in Roxbury. And he was very focused on the same challenge. It was just incredible uh, synchronicity as the universe sometimes offers us. Uh, and he was thinking a lot about uh, the beautiful lessons that teachers were creating and that they never went anywhere. You know, at best, they ended up in a thumb drive at the time, uh, usually just in a binder. Um, and they weren't benefiting other teachers. And so we thought, what if we created a space where uh, this wisdom and uh, these practices could be could be shared? Um, and very quickly, uh, that evolved uh, from a sort of lesson sharing, resource sharing site into a professional development uh, company, realizing that uh, uh, resources are necessary, but not sufficient, right? There's a massive implementation gap. I could go see what these wonderful, masterful teachers were doing. And yet when I tried to implement it in my own classroom a few hours later, it didn't quite look the same, you know? Uh, there were supports I needed to actually make those changes in my behavior that then could translate to incredible opportunities for students. That's awesome. This is, you know, this is uh, cool because I could see the... Um evolution of it as it's, it's, it's progressing and you kind of get a feel for that uh, as you do one thing and then start going, wait a second. Okay. We got more stuff we can do here. So <laughs> yeah. this is cool. So, so who's that target audience? Who's the, who's the group that you're really trying to, to reach out to? Yeah. So we've been working with K-12 districts primarily in the U S and I will say our, our lesson sharing site is still reaching, you know, a million educators every month across the world. So that is a bit of a different uh, entity. It's, providing tremendous value and we're so grateful for that it's freely accessible for everyone to go visit any day um, and then our professional learning that has evolved from that um, is very focused on uh, on U.S. Uh, districts at the moment we do have some folks that we've been working with uh, in Egypt and in Canada and other places but we're really focusing on U.S. districts and although we've worked with districts of all shapes and sizes I would say the real uh, sweet spot for us is working with the sort of medium-sized districts where we can really connect in with the district leader um, and with the community. I think we just, I mean, it's kind of funny, we're, a, we're an external PD provider, theoretically, and yet we always say external P PD providers don't work, right? You actually need to function um, in a very different way. You need to sidle up alongside uh, those leaders and the people who know the unique context of the, the students, the teachers, the parents, uh, the educational leaders in that community and hear what are they wanting to see for students? Where Where is their heart? What does that look like? What do they want to see happening in classrooms? And then work backwards from that to say, all right, well, then what from all that we've learned, what can we say that's going to take in terms of shifts in practice for teachers? And then backing up again, what's what are the right set of learning experiences, uh, very active learning experiences to create for educators that will actually fit that community, right? When when do they have half day releases on Wednesday, right? What's what's their structure and how can we create a system of, of really continuous uh, and thoughtful supports uh, that will actually fit and dovetail 
uh, for into the structures they already have. Because the last thing anyone needs is someone coming from the outside and saying, here it is, here's what works, you know, implement this with fidelity and your community will soar, right? We all know that's nonsense. We just do it because we're not sure what else to do. And it's it's tricky to do the really thoughtful work of, of listening and adapting and providing that balance of personalization, personalization and guiding structure. You seem to have had some experience with uh, hearing those voices that say, oh, <laughs> no, because <we> <laughs> uh, you did that very well, that invitation of what, what lots of them are saying, because if nothing else, there's also usually somebody, there's a group that sit in the back that's, you know, sit with their arms folded. And, exactly. Uh, or they're, they're actually grading homework, which I <laughs> yes. get. I mean, that's a better use of time than a lot of professional learning that's out there. So respect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One of my favorite things is that they forget that, especially if you have like a meeting where uh, it's darkened and the person's talking, that if you, yeah. you know, have out your laptop or your tablet or whatever, that it glows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a dead giveaway. Nice. So, uh, well, cool. So uh, let's talk about this because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you got going on. The, the as the company move forward from uh, you know being a place with lessons and so forth to professional development and really working with the the teachers and and then uh, lots of things have happened over over uh, just the last couple of years um, that have probably yeah. really helped you with the with what you do and um, which that sounds kind of strange. I mean, but it did, it would have provided more f uh, of an environment, I would think, just a little bit for you and. Uh, um, so let's talk about the, you know, the, the, the things that you do. Can you talk about a few of the, uh, the types of ways that you support teachers to, to do what they do? Yeah, ab absolutely. And I will say, I think I mentioned at the beginning that we really, first and foremost, are a learning organization and our own kind of learning engine, right? We can't go out there and, and work with teachers telling them how to create really engaging, active learning for students to be able to support them, you know, solving, evolving sets of novel challenges and then create very sort of stale, stagnant experiences for teachers, right? That uh, that just wouldn't translate on an energetic front if nothing else. Um, and so we're constantly evolving what we do. Um, but at the sort of highest level, um, we create a, a varied and comprehensive set of supports for districts. And so, as I mentioned, we'll work backwards from what they want to see change for students in the classroom and what their outcomes are that they really resonate with. And then we'll combine uh, in-person and virtual supports, synchronous and asynchronous supports, right? So allowing teachers access to self-directed courses through what we call BL Connect, a series of sort of online, very engaging uh, courses, and in-person uh, learning walks where we actually support principals to go through classrooms, understand what's happening, see those changes that they've been wanting to see, um, and uh, also provide one-on-one -on -one coaching for teachers and for leaders, uh, which has been that sort of like heart of our learning engine over the last 15 uh, years as well. And I think one thing I'd say about what we do is it's deeply practical, right? So if we're actually listening and we're having conversations with district leaders, we're having conversations with teachers and we're codifying what we're learning and we're translating that into supports, of course, we're then if we're doing that well, we're of course, course going to be coming back with the things they really want to work on, right? So at the heart of what we're doing, I think, is that element of sovereignty and choice for teachers and also for students. So, you know, I'm just thinking about a couple of our uh, course titles within BL Connect, um, using self-assessment to guide learning progressions, right? So how can you actually support students to name where they are and then use that to guide exactly how they're moving through a particular sequence? So we're trying to make something that can seem a bit, uh, gosh, hard to reach, just out of reach. Like, oh, I'd love to really personalize experience for my students. That seems fantastic. Of course, they're different little beings. And of course, they want to progress in different ways. But how do I do that? What's the concrete thing I can do um, to actually uh, enable that for them? How do I create that experience in the classroom? And so we've really codified everything we've learned into strategies. And those strategies are at the heart of everything we offer, whether it's a workshop, teachers are up and doing, engaging um, with these strategies. And if they're in one-on-one -on -one coaching, they're trying, measuring, learning, they're engaging with that sort of wheel of iteration, trying these strategies. If we're in the learning walks, we're looking for that measure piece. We're saying, what do we see now? Are we seeing these changes that we want to see in very deeply practical ways? Yeah, that's really good. That's really cool. One of the things that makes me think about is, do you have like certain things that are like really becoming kind of a norm. Like let's talk about one, one-on-one -on -one coaching. 
something that you're constantly like it seems like hey answer that one today is that one yesterday and the same day before uh, but i mean does it is there some commonality that's kind of uh, got your attention right now that's coming up from no matter where you're talking whether it's on one east coast or the other coast a commonality in terms of a uh, need from teachers yes. or a commonality in terms of a modality like the particular uh type of pl that's resonating i mean a need a need for the need. yes oh gosh yeah I, I really think it's about meeting students where they are and this is again i'm, I'm sort of staying one level uh, up and we can get into the specific examples of that um there are there are many but it's really uh as i said in the beginning i haven't met a single teacher over however many years i've been doing this across you know a quite quite a wide range that isn't actually in the work to light up students to actually meet students where they are and see them become that unique uh, light that they are and actually figure out, you know, it, it's wonderful if a, a student has a particular resonance, a particular set of passions, but if they can't translate that into effective communication, for example, to then actually bring that light into the real world and translate it, um, you know, then they're actually not able to, to offer their fullness. And so teachers really want that. And they recognize that there's a variation within their classroom of students. And so, you know, there is the whole blended uh, movement, the per, you know, to trend towards personalization. And that's wonderful. But we couldn't really figure out how to do it. It's sort of, it seemed like laptops were the answer, right? When you talk about blended learning and personalization, you'd see videos of kids sitting with headphones on. And so like that, that's not why I got into teaching. That's not why any of these student uh, teachers I've, you know, talked to got into teaching. It's not that laptops can't be useful, right? And then we can't have moments for that. But ultimately it's about getting kids up and doing and exploring and creating together. And yet, how do you do that? When you have a classroom of, you know, anywhere from 25 to 35 students, maybe even more, all coming with, you know, from wildly different um, angles and aspects. And how do you how do you really do that in a concrete way? What does your classroom look like? How do you begin the class? How do you finish the class um, and, and across every different grade level? Right. Um, and so we've tried to uh, support teachers in exploring that. And that's if I had to just name the number one thing it's it's that right and then every different little permutation of that how do i how do i think about assessment at this moment when i'm being asked to do it and i'm sure we'll get to it at some point right but we're coming on the tail of covid and all that that meant and so how on earth do i practically execute against this kind of grand vision and against this call that you know brought me into teaching yeah it's so powerful i mean it, you know it's this is uh when i uh, became a teacher one of the things i wanted to do was uh, I was fascinated with history, although I would never have told my father how much I was fascinated with history because <laughs> he would continue to take me to that next road sign that we'd go read and something like that. And now I do, <laughs> and now I do that to my own kids. So, uh, but the but it's funny because uh, you know I, I I knew it could be done better, and so that was my plan. I'm I it's it's all about making uh, I was all about making history more exciting and so forth. And make it fun, and because it is fun and it's exciting. Yeah. And and as I got into teaching, one of the things I discovered is um, there's so much more <laughs> to what a teacher's life is about. And uh, um, because uh, you do have, just like you described, you have so many different types of kids, uh, levels of kids. Kids are at uh, different spots, and uh, some of them bringing lots of baggage with them. Um, some of them just all kinds of things going on in their worlds, and. Uh, and so that means that that brings a bunch of challenges, which means as a teacher, you have to, you have to start, if you don't come equipped with that automatically in your little, uh, um, little treasure chest or toolbox that you've got, then you got to figure out how to get those tools to, to figure out how to yeah. address them, which is cool. So, um, and so where I'm going with that now is that, so there's lots of challenges that uh, teachers face. Um, can you talk about some of those challenges that make teaching difficult and before we get to COVID, because COVID's a, like a whole nother creature that we're going to talk about in just a second, but that you're running into that you have to address. Yeah. Um, there are so many very specific examples I could give. And I think, again, I'll go to a sort of trend and then we can get specific within that if we want to. But really, I'd say being a teacher right now, as as I experience it through all of these folks with whom we work, there's, there's a, a lack of freedom 
and a lack of guiding structure. And I think those sound like they're at odds with one another, right? Like maybe that's a bit, uh, uh, a bit of an impossible statement, but I'll say what I, I mean by that. Um, and I think that uh, in an attempt to provide support and to provide supports and structure for teachers, the, the well-intentioned uh, move that many district administrators make very understandably is to say, okay, we need to really script this thing out, right? And then talk about implementation with fidelity. We need to give an exact playbook, right? Here's how you do it. Um, and maybe that was how Jan did it. And Jan got incredible results for kids and that's fantastic, but it's not gonna be, right? How this other teacher is gonna do it and how it's gonna be both because she has different students, but also because she's a different being, right? And she has a different set of gifts. She has a different resonance. So it just doesn't, work to actually move in the direction of being overly scripted or regimented. And I understand why that can feel um, when there's so much going on and you get kind of scared and you're seeing, oh my gosh, this isn't working, right? Or we're falling, we're failing kids. It actually comes from a very hurtful place to say, okay, this worked. We need to help everyone do it this way. Unfortunately, it just doesn't work, right? It would actually be really easy and kind of attractive if somewhat lifeless, right? If that was the answer, but unfortunately it, it just isn't. And we've seen that over and over again. And so uh, that level of scripting doesn't work. And so when I say we need more freedom, it's it's uh, honoring teachers as sovereign beings, right? Who, who, who actually deserve and and ought to make choices about how they approach things. That doesn't mean on that flip side that we don't provide guiding structure. We know a lot actually about what works in terms of adult learning, right? How do, how do, how do we as teachers learn um, and in ways that can translate to changes in practice. And we also know a lot about what works for students. Um, and there's a lot of variety though within that. And so what we try to do is to create uh, structures with choice within them. And people say freedom within fences. That's not my favorite, um, you know, sort of conceptual frame, but I, I get it. I get why it's used. And um, there's something about that sort of honoring of the, you know, fundamental uh, gifts, choice, curiosity of teachers, and then not saying, okay, perfect, right? You're a, you're a unique being, go teach however you wish. Good luck. Right. That makes absolutely no sense. You actually need more structure, more support and then choices within that. Um, and so that's hard to do. Uh, we're doing our very best every day and it takes constant evolution uh, to even get close. Oh, you're so right. This is it's amazing because, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I've, I want to make sure I say well-meaning, but thinking that kids are like widgets. And uh, however you describe a widget, you know, if you shave a little off here, shave a little off there, all of a sudden they're all perfectly aligned and they work just like that. And it's not the case, <laughs> you know, it's, and not and, only is it and not, thank goodness it's not right. Oh yeah. Oh, wouldn't oh. Be as she's designed to be, uh, if that were the case. Oh my gosh. No. And, it, and, and plus <laughs> the class would be so boring. Um, um, cause forget the teacher for a minute, the class itself would be so boring. I mean, cause that's right. one of the things that makes it exciting about teaching is you never know. Like the, like the kid, the, the, the child I had in class who as a 10th grader made the best bird sound without moves, moving his lips I've ever seen. And I figured him out cause he'd been so annoying to all the kids in grades coming up that by the time they got to me, they're like, I'm going to make sure you know who it is that's making that stupid bird noise. But I mean, that was oh cool. Gosh, I love it. Oh, it he, should, awesome. he should be on those. Um, I actually grew up. This is like real nerd level, uh, probably right <laughs> up there with your, you know, your experience with your father looking at historical road signs. So we grew up listening to records of the Cornell School of Ornithology and bird sounds. Nice. Um, and so I think there's a real place for him. You know, some yes. of their calls felt a little outdated. I think he could hop in. That's <laughs> awesome. I, I hope he found that position because all I know is that it was it was the coolest thing when uh, you're like because I had heard that eventually in my class somewhere was a child a, a kid who knew how to do these bird calls and sure enough he showed up one day and I mean the bird did. And, uh, yeah. and I did my best and eventually I did find out and I, I had a little talk with him, but he was good, man. He was like, but it, what was funny was when he asked me how I found out, uh, well, she didn't <laughs> ask me until the next year. He asked me the next year at lunch. I taught 10th right, graders patience. and he came to me one day and he said, he goes, Mr. Leno, how, how'd you find out that I was doing it? 
that I was doing that. And I said, uh, oh, a little bird told me. <laughs> and he's like, oh, He man. has to appreciate that. <laughs> yes, he did. He very much did. But it's, yeah, that's what, that's all, that's what makes it so much fun is the interaction of the kids with the adults. And you don't have to make bird noises. But, I mean, just uh, the the sparking that interest and, and working together to, to try and make those experiences happen, which requires some freedom, which is what you're talking about. And, you know, and one of the things I discovered, and because, you know, I was on, I'm in the evil empire because eventually I go become an assistant principal and then become a principal. And I went to schools to change things and stuff like this. And, you know, one of the things that I learned from two of the mentors in my, my world was that how important the principal was to being able to make it possible for teachers to do some of the stuff they want. And it's yes. interesting, interesting what you, you talk about because you, you, it sounds like you should be able to, but you no, know, you do have to have some understanding of what things need to be done you know it's not like we we just do whatever we want and uh but at the same time you need to have that time protected where if they understand what they're going about doing they they it's not like um i was with a colleague one time who described it after we walked out of a meeting he said uh he said you know he said sometimes i feel like I'm out on the edge of a branch and they're chopping it off behind me <laughs> and they want you to be out on that yeah. branch. But then they're kind of like at the same time going, yeah, you go ahead and uh, you fly with the Eagles and do all that stuff. But uh, yeah. just to make sure I'm, I might make, get rid of that branch you're on. <laughs> and anyway, um, but that's good stuff. What you're talking about is, uh, you know, it is, it's a huge deal that there's these challenges of just, first of all, just working with the kids and the families and such that you bring to the table and uh, being able to, I think sometimes be willing to learn what it takes to, uh, to reach them because uh, we get set in our own ways. So um, good stuff. I, you know, all right. So I've been avoiding, avoiding this, but (laughs) you can't avoid it for too long. So then along comes COVID. And uh, so kind of talk about uh, um, COVID and the demands on the teachers and kind of, cause where things were demanding before, cause I'm going to probably going to go back to that just a minute. But right now, let's kind of talk about what you're running into and helping teachers cope and deal with uh, um, as they're coming out of the the, really wild time of uh, COVID and not having contact with people. Yeah, so so I'd say I'll I'll sort of give give two buckets here, um, and we can dig in deeper if we want. The first one is coming back to uh, the just the very very spoken about. Uh, topic of remote learning, uh, right? So trying to connect with students who are not physically in your presence. Um, And that is something that needed to happen over the course of COVID um, and that is still happening in many cases and then just had huge impacts, especially when we think about teacher attrition. It has huge impacts because when we talk to teachers, they don't believe it's over. So even if now they're in person, they're just waiting now. It's like their worlds have just been shifted and they think, okay, This is something that can happen. If I'm going to be in the classroom, I have to actually be ready for this to happen again, Um, which, you know, it's not that I'm coming in with a particular resonance with that or perspective about it, but that's their truth, right? They're saying this is going to happen again. And so I need to be ready for that. And so, you know, as much as I theoretically uh, started a remote learning company, you know, we're providing a lot of the professional learning in a way that is virtual and we're also doing in-person supports, but that was sort of at the center of it. Um, I think there's something so important about being in person. And I'll tell you, if you're going to be remote, you better be really, really good at learning how to create incredibly engaging experiences in that remote environment. I mean, when we first started doing virtual coaching, that was the first thing we tried to actually take virtual was this one-on-one interaction. And I just said, oh gosh, well, let's see, right? It was something that kind of presented itself because of the nature of some of the dynamics. We'd gotten a big grant from the Gates Foundation and we were trying to support teachers all around the country. And we said, well, gosh, we don't have we don't have coaches all around the country. So how are we gonna kind of run this? And he said, well, let's try having talk via Zoom. Um, and I was just, it's sort of embarrassing now, I was floored by the depth of connection that was created. Um, there was something so beautiful about the relationships that these folks created with one another, the teachers and the coaches um, through, you know, this digital medium. Um, and so it's very possible. And there's still something really powerful and really fantastic about being in person, even if you're great and have been working uh, great at and have been working at this sort of virtual medium for years and years as we have, uh, there's still something really different. And we still choose to do a mix of virtual and in-person when we can. We think that's the best blend and most effective. And so when you think about teachers 
who did not sign up for this, had no interest in this necessarily, right? They came in for the students. Some of them, sure, they might happen to be, you know, gotten in that sort of blended wave or they, you know, are uh, techno technological aficionados in some other aspect of their life. There's a small subset for whom that's true. Most teachers, they want to be in classrooms with kids. Um, and it's just different collaborating in a digital space. It just absolutely is. Um, and so I think that has been something that's absolutely presented a challenge for many teachers. And it's very much contributed, even if we're now in person, uh, that idea of it sort of looming as a specter for folks has uh, has very much influenced um, attrition from, from what we've heard and seen and what data is showing. Um, uh, that seems to be the case. And, and the second bucket to take a very different sort of turn here um, that I think is very tricky uh, is the is fear in in the human system. Um, I see nervous systems in teachers and students in a very different place than they were before the pandemic. Um, sometimes it's because of experience, you know, trauma that children have experienced through loss and fear and illness in close proximity to them in physicality. And other times it's because, and again, this is my truth. It might be a little out there for folks, but you know, energy is energy, right? So we read something, we, uh, we watch it. Those are vibrations we're taking in their frequencies we're tuning to. It affects our system. And so to the extent to which there is terror and fear being pumped out, um, we then are affected by that and students are affected by that, uh, very much so. And so teachers are working with students who then uh, have nervous systems that are in a very different spot than they were. And we know that that gets in the way of learning, um, absolutely. Um, if, I'm, if I'm anxious, if I'm scared, I saw this with my students very acutely. A lot of them had a lot of challenges, a lot of trauma, um, and, and it's impossible to learn. Um, in, in that environment, we actually, we've, we've seen it a hundred ways through neuroscience. Our brains actually aren't set up to do that when our nervous system is in fight or flight. Um, and so that is a very big and very real challenge. It's so powerful what you're talking about, because it's, it's one of the things that used to talk to, uh, adults still do, which is, you know, the kids respond and react to how you react and respond. And if you, uh, if you are, uh, um, afraid, then they're afraid. If you're angry, they're angry. And uh, it, it appears in different ways. But, you know, in this recent times with the fear, like you were describing just a second ago, is so it, it, if an adult is afraid and that the kids are going to feel it and it's going to and they're going to respond too because then they start wondering if they should be worried about what's around the corner, what's coming next, what's, you know, things that they have no control over, nor that adult. Yeah. And that, and if they're worried about that, then yeah, the learning that's going to take place is probably nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it's not about it being founded or unfounded, right? Regardless of where you stand or what you think, it's just a reality in terms of the human right, systems right, right. and the ability of these these kids to learn. And so then it's something that teachers are facing in a really different way. And um, and it's tricky to find time in the day, let alone the right supports, to actually uh, offer teachers. It's it, again to just like operating in a way that's entirely digital, operating in a way where you know your student systems are you know disproportionately in fight or flight that's a really different set of skills to figure out how to actually work. And there are beautiful supports out there and organizations who are taking this head on and incredible um, sort of answers to this challenge. And yet that's not something that everyone came in uh, equipped for. And it's not something our days and structures were set up to provide time for. So it's an incredible challenge. You got that right. That, I interviewed a, a magician one time. He's uh, someone who, uh, um, you know, entertains all across the U.S., but especially uh, on the coast, and uh, he had hundreds and hundreds of uh, um, these gigs lined up, and then COVID happened, and all of a sudden, they all canceled it on him, and so he had a, he's like, his whole lifestyle, and he was talking about how he had to figure out what was going on, it was, and I tell you this because it was interesting what he said, he said, you know, part of the world of a magician is you need people to go, ooh, ah, oh, yay, and he, he said, and then, so then when you're trying to do stuff online, you don't get that, <laughs> you know, it's like, you just got to go with it anyway, well, it's, that's a big part of being a, the adult in the room with the kids and that give and take that you talked about, because that's so important because that's that relationship that starts happening where, you know, where, you know, the teacher looks at the kid and goes, you know, you're killing me, man. Okay. And, and, and the kids like it because that's what, you know, that's that relationship or whatever, or someone <laughs> says something, you know, it's just, it's kind of like uh, we had this, 
cool thing going on one time with we're working on the, the different stuff and the right kid asks raises her hand and asks this question and I'm like this is going to be awesome because it's, she always is asked the right question and what she said to me at <laughs> this class of 10th graders was uh, Mr. Mileto, um don't didn't everyone ever tell you that polka dots don't go with stripes because I was wearing a polka dot tie <laughs> with a striped tie with a striped shirt and I was like and it's like, oh, I said, that's what you've been worried about this whole time. And and, and then we went on with the, the stuff. But the cool thing is, is that, uh, you know, that's the, I mean, I, I had, I've had colleagues over the years that they would have easily gone ballistic over something like that. But it's like, that was fun. Yeah. It was cool. It was like, and I, my response to her was, Do you, have you ever known me to have style? Ah, uh, she said, you're right, you're right. And the class laughed and we went about our business. But yeah, uh, that cre- creates a beautiful and fun and light moment. And um, yes. right, right at the center of what you're saying, I think, is this um, something I think about a lot, which is like the power of attention and intention when it comes to the way I understand consciousness to work and then therefore learning to work and the whole thing we're doing, doing here. Um, and so in that case, that student was incredibly present. She was present. She's looking at you. Um, she's noticing what you're wearing in this case, right? But she's in the moment. She's with you. And that creates opportunity for further engagement. It just is trickier. Um, and there are all kinds of, you know, research to support that. It's trickier for us to keep our attention, no matter what the intention is. It's trickier for us uh, with human brains to keep our attention when we're looking at a flat screen as opposed to surrounded by a rich environment. And so, sure, she was a little off topic, but she was there. And then you had an opportunity to make a joke, build more relationship and relational trust, and then continue on. So, um, yeah, that feels <laughs> actually feels very re- relevant, the polka dots. That's what's hilarious is that 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 type of thing, no matter what the discussion is, is that that to me, that's the that's what's so difficult to deal with when you're talking about going back to the magician who, when it's hello, yes, I know that you're out there. Hopefully you're out there, you know, especially in some of these classrooms today where, um, you know, teachers talk about how, you know, the kids, the suddenly they're just, just their name up there and the the screen's gone dark. And so you don't know what they're doing and, uh, you don't know where they're there. And yeah, there's, there's thoughts about why they do stuff like this, but there's also those kids that have learned I can shut off the teacher, <laughs> you know, and oh, how do I, you know, it's a, the teacher's then got to deal with that. And yeah, exactly. So, you know, this brings me to um, something that's, you know, just driving us nuts in the education world is that, you know, there's been this mass quitting within education over the last couple of years. Why do you think this happened? Especially like it did. Well, not to just belabor points from from earlier, but I think the very acute round of quitting, um, as we've seen it speaking with teachers, has been very much related to this, uh, to the pandemic. Obviously, it it predated that, and I'll get to that in a second. But these two issues of uh, where students are at and where teachers are at in terms of fear in their systems, that's been a very real piece of it. Um, and the other piece about teaching in this new way that is largely remote, not in person through a screen, uh, you know, intermediated by technology in a way, you know, we never intended. And so that's, those feel like two real, um, precipitating factors when it comes to this most recent wave and before and extending through, uh, that whole sort of COVID time. I would say is this trend around a lack of freedom and a lack of productive structure. Um, You know, teachers got into their roles because they want to light up students and they don't often feel like they're doing it. They don't feel like they actually have what it takes either because they're overly regimented into some one size fits all scripted, you know, curriculum, teaching style, et cetera, that doesn't resonate with them and doesn't actually, they don't see it producing results for their students through them. Even if when, you know, that was fed, a program was fed through another teacher, it did produce results, right? They're a teacher trying to deliver this in the same way. And it's actually not translating. It's not working. And so if you got into this to light up students and you're not seeing that happen, you can go do something else and make a heck of a lot more money, as we all know, and probably have an easier job. I mean, being a teacher is absolutely one of the most challenging jobs and it's only balanced that incredible challenge by the unbelievable rewards and gifts that come from seeing the potential of these students flourish and the joy of the interactions that take place. And so if that's not there, that's way out of balance, right? Um, That is not a balanced equation. (laughs) Um, And so 
Uh, and so I think that's a, a really big piece of it. And then on the other side, I think there are a lot of teachers where maybe the administrators have said, okay, we're not going to overly script things and they're missing structured supports, right? They're given a lot of freedom, but they're given, you know, one decade old textbook or something and they're not actually, and they're given maybe, you know, uh, an interesting lecture they're treated to during their PD day from a guru that the district admin really resonates with. And at best, it's a super engaging workshop, you know, from the guru who the administrator resonates with. Um, and that uh, is going to light up some teachers. They're going to say, oh, my gosh, I see why he loves that guru. That guru is fantastic. I also resonate with that person. And I'm going to go, you know, best case scenario, make meaningful changes in my classroom based on this a whole bunch of other teachers aren't going to feel resonance, you know, with that particular person. And so what we need to do as you know, I see it is to set up options and systems of supports where there are choices and we're honoring teachers as beings who know a lot about who they are and what resonates for them and their students. And they can make choices from amongst the strategies of the gurus, right? Um, we're not all being put into this one bucket that happens to be the trend of the moment. However, fantastic. You know, that person is. I'm not in any way, I'm, you know, belittling these folks. It's fantastic. We need every one of them. So many of them are at the heart of the strategies we suggested better lesson, right? But we just need a range. Um, and and it's not the district folks are poor intent, poorly intentioned either, right? Like they see something really successful come in and they think, fantastic, let's bring this to their teachers. And it's a brilliant idea um, if it's complemented by other options as well. And that's tricky to do unless you have PD providers who are actually offering a range uh, of options to meet teachers at their individual residence. That's so right. You know, you have uh, one of the things that uh, happens in our world is that uh, you really have to have a, a mindset that's focused on understanding that you got to keep learning. Um, yeah. And it, yeah. And I say it that way because if, if you don't, if you think that there's some pinnacle of uh, I've made it to the top of the mountain and now I no longer have to learn anymore, it's like there it doesn't exist in teaching because yeah. every group of kids is going to be different and something works this one, it's not going to work with that one. And, and then you're going to get this group of kids that are further behind or further ahead or, or you know, it, it's all kinds of things. And on top of that, then to have an administrator say, you know, I don't know how to do this differentiation thing, but I think you need to do differentiating, you know, and so go do it. And like, what the what? What? And, and that type of stuff happens. And, and, uh, you know, and my favorite was that came out of COVID is that, you know, a lot of them thought they had taught everybody how to do this, you know, use Google Classroom or, or use some of these tools like that. Uh, um, and just a note, I mentioned Google, I'm not sponsored by Google or anything like that. So, but the, um, you know, they, yeah, they, they, they thought they knew, knew how to do this stuff and they found out right away that uh, I got a feeling some of them were skipping those classes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's crazy and all of that can be so st stress-inducing and I can only imagine how, how with some of them suddenly lots of things became more enticing than uh, um, stepping back into the classroom again. So yeah, it's unfortunate. So, so tell me... Uh, um, one of the things that I've I've read about uh, that you guys do is you you kind of focus on this thought about empowering teachers. What are we talking about there, and uh, what's it look like? When I think about empowering teachers or empowering anyone, it's uh, I think first and foremost actually honoring that being as a being who who knows a lot about what they are good at, what they're interested in, how they want to operate, what they resonate with. And, uh, and then, yeah, honoring them as sovereign beings and providing them with a set of supports uh, that can enable them to reach uh, some sort of an outcome that they feel deeply connected to, right? So if, again, we'll use this sort of broad example of, of sort of lighting up students, right? And if teachers are like, yes, I want to do that. I have this set of students in front of me in my classroom, right? Um, that really means focusing on engaging in effective communication, you know, uh, in a, in a verbal way, you know, and so you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to think about how to help them kind of convey, um, in, in that medium. Um, then we, if, if for a teacher to be empowered, they have to be fundamentally respected, honored, listened to as that being who has a tremendous amount of wisdom and knowledge and, and self-direction and clarity. And they need to be the, that's where the sort of empowering part is actually supported with specific concrete strategies that they can choose from uh, to then 
move in the direction and shift their practice in the direction of that outcome they want to see, right? So not say, hey, here's the road from A to B, right? From your intention to this outcome for students, here's what you're going to go do. Here are, you know, three strategies, implement them in a sequence, and then you will achieve the required outcome. That doesn't feel empowering. I'm not an agent. I'm not you know, actually operating in a way that feels deeply responsive to um, and respectful um, of the being that I am. And teachers shut down in the face of that. It's just not that interesting. They want to engage. They want to be active in the process. They want to explore. They want to look at strategies that don't resonate and say no to it. Oh, but my colleague down the hall would love that. You know, it feels like there's something about it that calls for engagement um, to provide choice in that way. Um, and so I think that's some of what we mean is both that kind of honoring, uh, of teacher's wisdom, uh, and then supporting them to reach something they deeply care about with a, a sort of selection of concrete strategies. Very cool. I, you, I gotta ask you, I mean, it would, what do you think, uh, you know, if you had a chance to say, all right, all you administrators come here for a minute, you know, huddle up. I got something I got to tell you. And uh, if, if you got a group of administrators like this together and you said, uh, you know, if you change this one thing of a teacher's day, it's going to be magical. Do you have something like that that you would say that if they could change something about a teacher's day that would help them make them want to stay? Gosh, I'm going to take this in a slightly different direction, um, which is to say that the thing I would tell them is that I don't know how to change every teacher's day because it depends on the environment of the teacher and on that teacher's uh, unique residence. And so what I would tell every administrator to put into a teacher's day, and this isn't every day, but a place to start, is a, a very uh, a very held structure for listening um, so that teachers are listened to um, by administrators, that administrators have a chance to listen to teachers, but not just say whatever you want in the teacher's lounge or write in in a survey that's unstructured. And again, this might be a bit out there for some folks, but the idea of creating an energetic container um, where you sort of entrain the vibration, where you create an energy, you uh, you sort of set the energy for a particular interaction, um, it makes a huge difference. Um, and so if someone invites you to share your thoughts, right, but they but they do it in a way where they ask a respectful question, they share what the outcome is, and they invite you into a space that's being held in the spirit of collaboration and learning and outcomes for students, and then you follow a protocol where everyone is sharing their insights within that sort of energetic container, it can be much more productive and it can be beautiful. And one example I'll share of that, I don't know if you're familiar with circle keeping as one of the uh, practices. It's deeply rooted in indigenous wisdom um, and is used in, uh, yeah, in restorative justice practices. And it's basically a way for people to come into a space that is held by a circle keeper and to be able to share uh, and be heard uh, by whomever, right? In this case, I'm suggesting by district administrators and by fellow teachers. And it's an opportunity to speak from your heart. That structure and certain aspects of the structure, I won't get into the details, but they're fantastic organizations that are actually bringing this into being for K-12, for K-12 schools and districts and are giving them really concrete ways to do it. Um, lots of nonprofits out out there, um, and they're bringing bringing these specific practices um, to classrooms. So they're saying, okay, this can be done in many contexts. Here's how we could do it with students in some cases. What I'm suggesting, and is often the case, um, is that it be done with teachers in a way that um, that district administrators can participate in as well um, as as listeners. And so it's not it's it's not that I have the answer, but I think teachers do together. Um, have the answer for the way for their specific school, for their specific classroom, what that change should be that would really revolutionize their experience. Cool. I, I, I often say if I have a superpower, it's that I know that I'm absolutely an expert in nothing, right? Every <laughs> single one of our employees is so much more deeply skilled. I was an incredibly hardworking, very mediocre teacher. Um, and so I am just deeply humble about what I know and don't know in a, in a very real way um, because I, I am so clear that I need to listen. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if you know Thich Nhat Hanh at all, uh, uh, meditation teacher and uh, Buddhist monk who's fantastic, but he always says that 
that real listening actually requires that we listen with an ear uh, to be open to being changed by what we hear. So we can't listen and have this sort of agenda within our system. If we actually listen, true listening requires this openness to being uh, to be changed by what we hear. And that's what a structure like circle keeping um, can can offer. And so I love their organizations that are bringing this uh, into schools, into a K-12 context. Well, very neat, very cool. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, listening to you talk about is, uh, you know, because, you know, yeah, I just had to ask. I mean, because, you know, we have, it's because you never know. Maybe you do find somebody who has a magic touch that will make. <laughs> I love you, it. But Keep you, asking. Yeah. It's, it's just not me. I, I'm not the one, but not the one. <laughs> I'm so open to them being out there. <laughs> but it's, you know, one of the things that uh, um, you do is you, you work with teachers on uh, professional development and such. Um, what's something that you, you, I mean, how do you encourage teachers to be focused on that because i mean we're we're coming out of the world that we're coming out of and so a lot of it i mean there's there's still a lot of those feelings like you were talking about before that the kids are really in tune with which is you know um you know almost the feeling like hey teach you gonna work with me today are you gonna moan about something you know what you know what tell me what's going on and what do you think about it? how do how do you help it, encourage them to look at what you got to offer or to to take on this and see if this is going to help you work with the the challenge that you have? What do you think? Gosh, this might be I don't know if provocative is the right word or incommensurate with other things I've said, but I, I I don't think think so. But my answer is I actually think that as part of the job expectations and the professional commitments for teachers in schools and districts, they need to be expected to and asked to, as part of the job opportunity, uh, join professional learning sessions in times where they're paid for it, compensated for it, joined by, you know, instructional leaders and their, um, and their, uh, and their peers. Uh, but honestly, human behavior is such, I know, you know, I don't always say yes to that thing when I'm overwhelmed, I'm exhausted. And especially when, I've had so many professional experiences, professional development experiences that have been so not worth my time. Um, And so if I'm that teacher, um, and I was lucky, I actually had really lovely professional development, but for these teachers we're speaking to so often, they're kind of jaded, you know, they're like, oh gosh, you know, I'm going to be sitting in the back again and, you know, writing something or at best deeply engaged, but left with a huge implementation gap, right? Where I don't actually know how to take what I saw here and translate it um, to change in my classroom. And so, so I think that in, and again, this is my estimation, is that great leadership says, look, I acknowledge, I've listened to you, right? It all starts with that listening. <laughs> you got to have the, some sort of a structure for listening first. I have listened to you. I deeply hear you. I understand whether it was under my leadership or someone else's, uh, where we have fallen down in the past, where you have not gotten that combination of freedom and structured support that you deserve and need. You have not been honored as the wise, passionate being that you are. And I really wish to provide that combination of, you know, structured support and freedom for you now to help you uh, accomplish what you wish to for students, right? I, this is what we're going to do. And we got to spend time. It's not going to happen without intention and attention. And so what we're going to do is come together for professional learning and it is on me, right? I am on the hook if this is not worth your time, you know? And so you've got to put yourself out there. And this is so tough. I don't say this lightly, right? There are so many district administrators that say, oh my gosh, I can't, right? Um, And that's where you don't want to chance this on on a quote, external PD provider. You know, if you're going to work with folks externally, you do need someone who really sidles up alongside you, will work with you. You can trust that what they're going to offer is going to be deeply responsive to your community. Um, But you kind of have to put yourself on the line a bit and say, look, we're going to do it. And then if it, if it doesn't live up again to, you know, the expectations or the standards, name it, apologize, come in, try again. That's the best we can do is honor one another with honesty and a willingness to try again. And we do need to ask teachers to show up to this. I don't think the purely opt in, uh, you know, do it when it, when you feel like it on your time, we know you're exhausted and everything's too hard. So we're going to remove professional development. I think that's one of the, 
the least hopeful things that we could do. It doesn't work to leave teachers unsupported, especially at a moment like now. This is a moment, whether you work with a company, whether you do it internally, whether you, you know, whomever you choose uh, to spend time with, there have to be supports um, that administrators believe in for teachers um, or else we are just absolutely, you know, we're, we're meeting a near-term need, which is to alleviate a little bit of pressure in a teacher's schedule. And then we're just condemning the whole system. Um, in my estimation, I'd love to be proven incorrect, right? I'd love to be shown a system where there's not professional learning and everything is flourishing. I, I don't know uh, of that. Um, and so this is, this is the best I see it at the moment. Oh, I think it's right on the money. I think it really is, Aaron, because that's, uh, I think that, uh, you know, you, it needs to be there and it's, it's kind of like, yeah, 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 come on, let's go figure it out. Let's, let's learn, let's learn how to do this. And yeah. I, it's so powerful. Hey, we're, we're starting to get on here to where we're going to close out. And uh, Aaron, I want to know if you wanted to say uh, kind of, I got you talking about teacher support and all kinds of stuff. I want to know if you want to, uh, before I ask some questions, I want to finish this out with um, say anything about anything that you want to share with them before we uh, finish up. No, honestly, I, you know, I, I've said enough about our heart in here somewhere. And if people feel resonance, then they'll take a look at betterlesson.com. And that's fantastic. And if not, they're going to find resonance somewhere else, I hope. I hope there's just an increasingly growing set of providers who are trying to tackle these challenges. We're going to, you know, our the thing we can always promise is we'll keep doing our best to evolve, learn as much as we can from the incredible wisdom of all the folks with whom uh, we have the honor to work. And um, yeah, we definitely invite folks to, to learn more. Very cool. And, uh, and so I got two last questions for you. And the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Gosh, I think it comes back to that initial driving purpose. You know, I think everyone feels based on their own resonance, you know, something that makes them want to get up every morning. Um, and the way we approach it may change over time. Um, but the core sort of drivers there. And for me, it's, it's just so joyful to be in pursuit of supporting uh, beings to embody their fullness, to embody the unique light, the unique essence that they are. You know, I think about it as, as a soul signature. Folks think about it all kinds of ways. But if we think about people we know and love, we can think about their energy. We can tune into that and we can say, okay, I see. I know how they'd approach this situation, right? Based on who they are, I know what they'd bring, the particular set of gifts and um, and the particular insights. And, and that feels really joyful to me and really motivating. And so I think for me, it's just going back to that touchstone. And um, we think about it sometimes as this idea of like a beehive consciousness. Everyone's working, you know, and it works very harmoniously if we're all working uh, in connection around a shared purpose. And so for us, a better lesson, we very much have clarity around that shared purpose. And you see the people who get drawn, you know, it's like the law of correspondence, quantum physics, like it just, the, the people show up, right? Um, they show up in, in correspondence to, to that central purpose. And, uh, and we keep, and we keep moving. And so very much buoyed by the people around me and by continuing to touch, to touch in, uh, to my own sort of essential why. And I do that in lots of ways by being, being in nature, by meditating, by moving, by playing around, dancing, <laughs> petting my dog. <laughs> nice, nice. Love it, love it. Uh, good stuff. I, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given a chance to say thank you? Oh, gosh, what a great, what a great question. Yes, I have many teachers, one in particular, and I've, I've said it to him. I've gone back and visited him many times. Mr. Devaney, my third grade teacher, um, I just feel so grateful uh, to him for showing me the potential uh, that can come in this sort of spiritual interface between teacher and students, right? When, when teachers are, are tuned in to that essential nature of each student and, and then organizing. Uh, and basically, I almost feel it as like a, uh, you're sort of building a bridge between what lit him up as a teacher and then what lit up each student, right? So he wasn't going so far from what felt joyful to him. He was making sure there was always connection. You know, he, he taught things that made him uh, feel joyful, feel playful, feel excited, feel engaged, feel curious. And he did it in a way though, that was adapted uh, for the, the needs of each student. And so um, I've, sh I've shared that with him, given him hugs about it, um, which is pretty, pretty funny. I think the first time I went back to see him, so I'm, I'm six two, I'm a very large uh, human and um, he hadn't seen me since I was, you know, uh, 10 years old or something. And he, he took him, it took him a minute to put it all together, but it was really fun to do that, do that drive by to my elementary school. 
That's awesome. That's that's awesome. And just a note, I got to say this because that's one of the cool things about teaching that I don't know how many other professions have the experience of, but it's someone coming back years later and yeah. uh, saying, I don't know if you remember me or not, but <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, good stuff. Aaron is awesome talking with you. Thanks so much for sharing. And, uh, you know, this is, this is wishing the best in all that you do. Likewise, thank you so much for holding the space that you hold for people to come in and have these rich conversations. It's a real gift, and I've been a fan of the podcast, and um, yeah, grateful for what you're offering. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and host. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.